0: To the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 R.
1: You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week uh, 12th of November to the 16th of November. This week was huge. We had lots of um, big guests in, including uh, Susie D, who kicked things off, the director of uh, a new play called Broken.
2: Uh, I got attacked by a wedge tailed eagle. <clears throat> no. She's even... got the bruise to prove it. Yeah, got the. <laughs> And also uh, went swimming with sharks. Or did I? I don't think I did. <laughs> I, went, I went for a swim. Possible sharks. Yeah. Po- <laughs> possible sharks and rays were in the area. Who knows?
3: Uh, we caught up with Sean McAuliffe about his book, The Uncollected Plays of Sean McAuliffe. And we also caught up with Catherine Tate.
1: She was bringing her Catherine Tate show live to Melbourne. And Ma- Sean McAuliffe does his Milo Kerrigan impersonation. Th- he does. We're sticking around for- Just for that, mm-hmm. yes.
2: Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone.
3: You're tuned to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Broken is a new play by the independent theatre company Lab Kelpie, running at forty five downstairs between the fifteenth and twenty fifth November. To tell us all about it, we're joined by the director and theatre legend Susie D. Welcome to Breakfasters. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. Happy to be here. This play is based on a true incident. What was the incident that gave rise to it? Yeah. Mary Ann Butler is the writer She's, she's based in Darwin She she's, drives the highways a lot Between Alice and Darwin Anyway she heard of this story About a woman who rolled her car Off the highway And got trapped in the car For 36 hours Ooh. And so no one Everyone just presumed That she was a dead person in the car So people were sort of You know passing by So she was stuck in there unable to get out for 36 hours. Finally, she, um, a couple did stop, some grey nomads, and she survived. But I think that piqued her curiosity about... What happens when you're when you're basically stuck in a car for for 36 hours? And so she started interviewing like paramedics, and she talked about she got fascinated about that moment when like a paramedic comes across someone you know in in, in, close to a fatal accident, and what and and she found out that they form this incredible bond with um, the person in the accident, like and 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 it's sort of like it's so deep, but it's actually unreal. And people get attached to each other. Um, so she, she wanted to explore the heart of that. What happens when, when you're in extreme circumstances? What do hu- two human beings do and how do they survive that moment of impact? Uh-huh. And so,
3: how closely does it track to the original incident, or is it just a sort of dramatization of yeah, the I concept it,
0: behind it well it, it's not it's not um, a literal interpretation, but the focus is the focus of the play starts with the impact of an accident of a woman um, rolling her car but it 's actually told sort of from an, imagine, an imaginative point it 's not mm-hmm. actually real time the play is not set. Naturalistically, it's sort of told through through memory, through imaging. So it is. It is about a car accident and about a, but it's not about a paramedic. It's a stranger who who helps this woman in the car, and they have this incredible sort of <laughs> intangible, cr- crazy moment, and that has a ripple effect. So it looks at one night and a series of characters, and I think the play looks at those deep, deep themes of um, of, of chance. And a fate, and, you know, you live your life, you're going along normally, everything's fine, but one little thing can happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a dramatic accident, but, you know, one little thing can happen,
2: and it has this incredible effect on a lot of people. So shouldn't when you say, you know, you have that feeling between those two people, and you said that it's not real, but... Uh,
0: Well, no, it probably is very real. Actually, I had an experience here on Royal Parade in Brunswick. Mm. It was about two years ago, uh, um, someone fell off a bike. He just crashed into the car and I was on my bike, so I pulled up. And he was sort of lying on the ground and, you know, I got out and um, someone else stopped. And the two of us just had this incredible immediate, like, I, I felt so much for him and he was looking at me. The ambulance came. Anyway, they took him away, but... I was at, I was like devastated. I wow. knew he was probably going to be all right, but I remember we just had that little look between each other. It was so real. But I probably, Well, I've never seen him again. No. I never knew who. You know, I'm sure he was fine. I was. To, I didn't even know which hospital they were going to. I was. I was, was I was in shock as well. Through Is doing it? the
1: play. Oh, sorry. So yeah, did like you get? A, a, yeah. Did you get more of an understanding about why that occurs?
0: Um. No. Do, do, yeah, I can't. Right. I, haven't, I haven't really sort of unpacked why. Yeah. I think maybe it's those moments of intensity, mm. Mm. those yeah. absolute. You know, it takes you out of your I don't know normal sort of consciousness, and, and it takes you somewhere else of immediacy, and it's very the logic mm. is not quite there. So your you conscious brain's not sort of saying, "Oh, this is why I'm feeling this." Something, yeah, you, you go into this sort of out of ordinary.
2: Yeah, but. I guess maybe also maybe you were like the only one to see it, and he's and and you. It's just it's almost like this: you're the only two people in the world in that moment. Yeah, and so imagine this
0: sort of um, now. That little incident is now extreme (laughs) in the desert. You know, Yeah. um, yeah, where someone's just about you know it's it's near fatal. So I think. It's, a re- it's really interesting for terrain. Eyes, it's fascinating. Yeah. We've about and it for ages. So it's a super... If you can obviously, mm. So got, you understand now. it's a very super intense work.
2: Yeah. Yes,
3: and the Broken won the Victorian Premier's Literary Award, which is pretty unusual for that prize. It generally goes to either a novel or a I work of non
2: For
0: it, it must be a pretty extraordinary script. It's a really beautiful script. It's really lean. It's really poetic and um, visceral. You know what I mean? Visceral. It's really muscular. And I, I that really appeals to me. I, I love work that, you know, you have to you go along and it's it's not sort of all just sort of handed on a platter for you. Mm. You, you know, it stimulates you it, it tickles you, it you know, it challenges you, but you also just you know, you love the words, and and it's really great for a director because it's it's you can take you can you can work with it in any way you want to. It's a, quite an open text, mm. even though it's of course it's sort of set in the central desert. It has themes of isolation, um, but you can still sort of you can treat it in uh, a various ways. So it's been fabulous for a creative team to sort of look at that world.
2: Do you find that more challenging though? The like that that it's more open, you can take it where it. Whichever way yeah, you want. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, no, I do. I, I love it. It's really challenging but really scary. Like last week we're in the like the third week of rehearsals and everyone's feeling like you know, with the world we've created, the style, it's pretty lean, it's pre- it's quite it's quite dark and then all of a sudden as a director you go, Hang on have I turned the wrong corner? I've turned oh, the wrong no. corner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, oh. Uh, so I started thinking, what, what is it, else does it need? Because the foundation is beautiful. The performers are stark and gorgeous. But then I realised that it, I've, I've put so much, uh, it's so intense. Mm. So now we've had to sort of infuse some, you know, effervescence and moments of total surprise in it. But it, So it's lifting off much more but yeah it's always it's always scary it's always challenging when it's not so literal like mm. this is a play that's set here and you know it's, it's, um, it's great. Lab Kelby's uh, a new writing
3: theatre company what does that mean? Does it mean that you only do plays that haven't been performed before or are they written no, specifically for the theatre company?
0: Yeah no no Lab Kelby are really focused on new Australian works and they're into really developing um, younger artists and, and working also with established artists but they have a really strong ethos about the type of work they want to do. Um, they're really brilliant, they're set, it's, it's set up by uh, two men specifically, Lyle Brooks and, and Adam Fawcett but they are really passionate and I've been around the Melbourne theatre scene for a long time, and it's been so sad to see the demise of independent theatre companies drop off in terms of funding. Um, there was a, when I was around. Well, I'm still You're around. I'm still around. I'm still around. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Here, living <laughs> legend Judy Still here. But in the eighties, maybe I shouldn't say the eighties, nineties. No, just a few years ago. Um, so it's really, it's really inspiring that a, uh, another company has started up and are passionate about Australia works you just before you came on
1: here you were talking a little bit about um a recent trip to siberia are you allowed to talk about that oh yeah, tell, tell yeah. People why
0: you went to siberia <laughs> siberia yeah no, i know, crazy <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> no no actually i got given a book um called on sledge and horseback to outcast siberian lepers yeah, pretty intriguing yeah. title. Mm. And so, it's an awesome title. I know, it's a great title. So I opened up, what is this? And then it's basically, it was a book, it's an autobiographical piece about a nurse called, whose her name is Kate Marsden in 1880, sort of travelled across Russia into Siberia, through north Siberia, believing that there was a herb that would cure lepers, and um, so it just follows her journey with sledge and horseback, but i didn 't go on sledge and horseback. I went <laughs> in the plane and train it 's a
1: great visual if you had a bean. but, but
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so she also was from London, so I went to London as well and went um, She was the first woman um, to be invited into the royal geographical society she 's a really complex, intriguing character who was driven to help outcasts. So I just thought that's a really intriguing sort of meaty subject and I was I was fortunate to get a small grant to develop the idea with the idea to sort of develop it into a very large scale theatrical work. Oh. So it was great. I went I traveled across the Trans-Siberian halfway then flew like 4 hours to a place called Yakutsk and met all Really, like Yakutsk yeah, was like this big concrete sort of crazy city because it's so cold. The average it is the coldest city on earth. Like today, I looked at my phone; it's minus twenty three.
2: Oh my goodness! Yeah. When
0: I was there, it wasn't that cold. Um, so it's all these concrete blocks. But i you thinking this? There's, there's, there's not much life here. But suddenly you start to meet, and there's this incredible Sucker community filled with sort of artists living, you know, in these strange places and and, and making these incredible. films Films and making theatre, so I had this incredible week where I got sort of introduced to these incredible people. So I, I'm I'm going back next year, hopefully, ah. to sort of yeah, they're, they're celebrating this woman, Kate Marz, and They adore her. They appreciate because she when she went finally got to Yakutsk, she built a leprosarium. And, um, yeah, so she's sort of, you know, seen as this great goddess in Yakutsk. So I that, can't, that can't journey. To see what it becomes. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, yeah me.
3: <laughs> look forward to seeing the work that comes out of that. The current play is called Broken. It's on at 45 Downstairs, opening on the 15th of November. We've been talking to the director, Susie D. Thank you so much for coming.
0: Thanks very much, guys.
4: Free Triple R.
2: listening to Breakfasters, uh i mentioned earlier i went up to um where did i go to (laughs) o'reilly's o'reilly's uh rainforest Rainforest. retreat i went like just a bit of a weekend away flew up to the gold coast and was staying with friends down at kingscliff um and it's about it was like a two and nearly a two hour drive to get to this place but it was like I arrived – here's the thing. I arrived – I just thought we were just going to hang out with Kat's cousin for the weekend and just, you know, just drink some wine and do not Lovely. much. And then they were like, no, how about we go for this drive-out? to? There's some really cool birds out there. And I was like, uh, yeah, let's totally do that. That's amazing. I want to do that. Um, and there was heaps of amazing birds. We saw some bowerbirds and I saw a oh. bowerbird nest. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was amazing. And then when we get there, it's like, oh, there's a um, – Birds of Prey show happening at one o'clock, and I'm like, well, we're going to that. Absolutely going to that. Yeah. Um, Love a bird show. One of my favourite things. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes, I've seen the one that's in the um, Taronga Zoo.
2: Yeah, which that is a lot is. of fun.
3: The thing I like about it is because the uh, time I went to see it, they didn't do quite the thing that they were supposed to. That's the,
2: one of the best things about
3: it. Birds have got a mind of their own.
2: Mm, they go off and do their thing, and that's totally fine. But sometimes, when it makes it more impressive when they do do the things that they're supposed to do or re- they've been asked to do. Re- reckon about eighty-five percent hit rate, don't you reckon? Yeah,
1: but it's amazing. What are birds of prey? So hawks.
2: Yeah, eagles, eagles, owls. Oh, owls, um, of course. mm. Yeah. Uh, I think birds that just prey on other... Yeah, I was just trying to think of the different varieties, but Mm. yes.
3: Ah, So what was the show? What did it involve?
2: Nothing like the... The one at Taronga Zoo It was very kind of This um, woman came out And she goes Listen it's just me I'll go over there (laughs) Over there She goes I know there's people Who've been to some Fancy bird shows But this is not happening here (laughs) I'm just going to go And get the birds out And I'll come back And I'll show it to you (laughs) And then I'll go back and, you know, so you just have to uh, talk amongst yourselves uh, in I th- between. I
3: thought when you, when you first said that, when she first came out and said, yeah, it's just me, that meant she didn't have any birds no, at all. She just
2: dressed up <laughs> as very birds yeah. in <laughs> No, no, she, she actually had. But, now I'm Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was great. So she you know, she'd go off and, you know, bring a bring out a bird and it'd fly around, and it was just great. And then she got it, you know, had it trained so that, like, there was an hour that it would come and sit on your lap. Oh. It was cool an owl. Were you scared though with an owl sitting on your lap? Well the owl didn't sit on my lap And uh. I regret it So uh, like when we first got there Like Kath and um, Joe, her cousin were like where are we going to sit And am like up the front, front row <laughs> We're going to sit in the front row So we're sitting at the front So we were, the bird kind of She put the bird in the owl in between us And so I'm like trying to take a photo And I got oh my goodness It's so Like I just, I just didn't think to touch it Was it a powerful owl? No, it was a what kind of a? Uh, I think it was a barking now. Yeah, it was a barking bark, now. Yeah. Did it bark? No, but it was, it was too young. It was only oh, like a, a year old, so it, it didn't make this noise. That was like, oh, I can see what you're trying to do, oh, but she can't
3: quite get. It. Yeah,
2: you're not there yet, mate. <laughs> um, but then when she was showing it to other people, they were like, "Oh, giving it a pat," and then she encouraged you to get up on the lap. I'm like, "Oh, I've wasted." Well, oh. You don't know whether to pat
3: it. You- you don't want to pat it if it doesn't want to be patted, so yeah. Well, fair enough everyone
2: to like else was patting it, and it was it was fine. Because you said it's fine to you know give it a little pat on its back, and I'm like, oh well, why didn't you tell me that before? Oh well, wow,
1: the barking owl—if you Google it—it it really is. Like your typical owl, like, yeah. If the an big owl, eyes. That is what it would look like: mm. big yellow eyes and yeah, it was incredible.
2: Beak. So cool. And then um, at the end of the the bird show, so she had yeah, there was a couple of owls. And anyway, at the end, she goes, um, "You can pay uh, if you want to have a photo with it with an eagle or an owl. You can do that. Yeah. Um, so you just pay. She's like, it's twenty dollars for the eagle and ten bucks. For the owl. And I was like, oh, poor owl. Yeah, well, maybe, I don't know. Why is it an owl only half yeah, the price for the eagle? it that discounted? <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe. Um, hmm, well, the eagle yeah. has a manager and it has Owl's to Owls just <laughs> there. What am I? Chopped liver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she, and I was like, well, I'm going the eagle. I want, I'll get a photo with an eagle. And then she's like, oh, I've got, you know, I've got a bit of change. So it's so, you know, she just pulls out a bum bag and. <laughs> comes comes <laughs> over and all right so and so you stand there and you, you put the glove on the big glove and then and the it's hooked up like it so it can't fly away okay. anywhere like quite a long lead I guess around it's um, and then so I'm watching other people get it done first and um, and while the, what did you think I do it first and it kind of you know it looks she said oh don't get too close to its face. Like, it's, you know, because, I mean, it won't hurt. Like, the the beak isn't that sharp, so you'll be fine. But, you know, just t- yeah. don't, you know. Don't stick your face up next to the eagle. Yeah, yeah. So she was like, oh, you know. And I'm like, has anyone ever been bitten on the lip? Oh. <laughs> just imagine that. And she goes, uh, no, oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now that you mention
3: it. <laughs> yeah, wasn't.
2: Oh, it? why would you raise that? Yeah, well, just because I was intrigued. And that's the what you see. I
1: bitten on the lip by... A bird. It's very upsetting.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I haven't you said, but that's, I just feel that, anyway. How so, many times have I read
3: that story giving people advice about not to kiss the chickens?
2: Yeah, true. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. Anyway, so I said, and that's when she said, it's not the beak, the beak's not actually not that sharp, it's the talons you have to worry uh-huh. about. And I went, okay, good, you know, that's good to know. But I had this moment of, oh, look, I don't want an eagle to bite me on the lip, but, you know, once you found out that it's like, oh, it's not that sharp, it's like, oh... You're okay with it? Yeah, yeah, but it... You <laughs> well, I mean, were going to give it a kiss after all. No, no, not give it a kiss, but I'd and be I, be okay with, like, if it wanted to have a bite of me. Like, you know, that'd be cool, don't you reckon? No, it would be cool I, I, th- I, I thought it would be really cool. So, uh, um, I was... And then it was my turn. Herpes now got bitten by an eagle. <laughs> and then um, I'm a whole... It's quite heavy. Like,
1: it's a very big looking. I saw a photo. It's a big
2: thing. Yeah it's massive but she said it's only weighs like two and a half kilos but once you've got your arm outstretched and it's sitting on your own you're like oh that. i can imagine that feels like five kilos rather than than two and a half anyway i was getting some great photos done and i'm you know i'm being careful not to look at it too closely in the face didn't matter though because you know what happened no it absolutely attacked me right so no, it yeah did yeah not. It, look, look at that that's Look at that, that Oh my god, you got a scar on your arm. Yeah, that's a bruise from that's Oh I, is it a bruise.
1: Sorry, I don't have my glasses yeah. on. Call,
2: oh, it all, Call it a scar. Call it a scar.
3: Sure. There. God, that's, where a, that's
2: where I got it. That's where I got attacked by <laughs> a wedge tail eagle. I saw what the photo it? of
1: you of it mm. flapping and you going your face pulling away from it. I thought you were just being silly.
2: No, that was Why did it what? Oh it just kind of just went, Oh, I just want to have a bit of a nibble at your at your shoulder. So what did it do? So it bit me on the shoulder. It bit, actually bit you? Yeah, yeah. It bit me on the shoulder and bit me on the, on the arm as well. Do you think it hurt you? In, in my mind? Yeah. Yeah, that I wanted this to happen? Yeah. I think so. I, I abs- cannot yeah. believe you got attacked by it. Did it I attack know. anyone else? No. No. Well, I left after that. So, um, <laughs> I suppose you would. But, um, did she apologize? What did she do? Oh, she just – she came over. I was fine because I was like, "Oh, all my dreams are coming true. Um, <laughs> but I was fine. But she came over and just went, oh, and just stroked its head and just patted it like, you know, like it was a dog. And she goes, oh, just a bit um, – A bit frisky. Yeah, yeah. So she goes, it's fine. I'm like, oh, I'm totally fine. She goes, are you all right? And, um, Did it hurt? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but Did not it draw blood. No, no blood, because the talons is what you got to worry about. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, but the talons. So just... it didn't dig its talons into you. No, 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 because it was still on the. That was that was damage from the beak. Uh-huh. Was it wasn't. Ah, do you cool, think right.
3: it was like enraged? I mean, was it trying to get at you, or was it?
1: Someone <laughs> <laughs> <I mean, laughs> just texted and said, "Now you know why the owl is only ten yeah. dollars." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, no, it was. um... Wh- uh, was I, so why, it was no, whoa, whoa, whoa,
3: why?
1: Why was it attacking you? Like was it?
2: Oh, I think you just saw something on. My, maybe just wanted to have a. Because it it bit my boob as well.
1: Did it, was, it? Did you? Had you eaten some fish earlier and dropped it on yourself?
2: Do they eat fish? Yeah. Oh yeah, they eat fish as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, had you no. eaten something that day? It was no. night. Okay. Maybe just crumbs. It just hurt it just my mind, mate. I think went, it did. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a story to tell well, on the radio. <laughs>
3: yeah, it turned out to be much more of a show mm. than the Taronga Zoo.
4: Three triple. Ah.
2: You're listening to Breakfasters. Uh, I've, I've talked about this already. Went to um, visit. Uh, Kath's cousin lives up near the Gold Coast uh, on on the weekend. Uh, so well, you got attacked by a bird, yeah, a wedgetail eagle. Got attacked by a wedgetail eagle in
3: O'Reilly's rainforest. Rain,
2: rainforest retreat. Yes, uh, real, a real highlight of my life. How many oh. people can say they've been attacked by a wedgie?
1: That sounds well. No. Maybe don't call it a wedgie.
2: Yeah, it's a wedgie. Wedgetail eagle, mate. That's okay. what they call them. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Who's okay. check out that wedgie? Look up. <laughs> Uh, and not
3: everyone would think that was a highlight. Some people might find it a low light.
2: No, yeah, but it's cool, though. That you know? live to tell the tale probably makes it a highlight. Yes.
3: Would it be a highlight if you were attacked by a shark?
2: Yes. And live to tell the tale. Which, yes, yes. <laughs> I so. Yeah. Which is... Leads me into another part of my weekend. She died the way she lived. <laughs> yes, so <laughs> excited about
1: shark.
2: I said <laughs> that to, um, when we so we were staying, um, you know, on on the beach. At, so, cat's cousin lives in this um, a beautiful apartment, and it's like, is this an apartment or is it a holiday resort? That kind of right. I think they use it quite often. Uh, you know, it's. Sometimes People, it's both, right? Yes, yeah. yep. So it has a beautiful pool in the, and it's one of those perfect places that are, are great for spying on neighbours. Ah. You know, you just want to have a bit of a... Oh, oh yeah. So you, you could go for a
3: swim in the pool or you could stay at home and spy on your neighbours. <laughs>
2: yeah, or do both. Uh, it's Because it's all, like, in a circle, so with the ah. pool and stuff and the gardens in the middle. Love it. So you can, like, look across and go, oh, well, your lights are on and your blinds are open and look at you sitting there watching TV. Like, it's great. Yeah, don't you like doing that? Not not staring or anything, but just having a bit of a, bit yeah, of a, then, bit but, of a looky but look. But
1: then I think about how they can see me.
2: Yeah. And then so I feel you... like
1: i got to crawl around the house.
2: <laughs> I don't. I just go, look, look, I'm just doing normal everyday things. Look, at us just watching TV or having just... a chat. Oh, okay. Or if you're doing other things and close the blinds. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we walked... <laughs> It had the pool, and then you walk through like had like big like trees and stuff, and then it's like you just walk through and there was the beach. Had no idea the beach was just on the other side. What a but surprise! There it was. Surprise beach. Surprise beach. So we'd been um, we'd been for a swim, and then we went down to get in the in the steam room, uh, but it wasn't turned on. So we're like, no. yeah, I know it has a steam room and a gym. Like, what room? is this place? Yeah. What is going on here? And then and when we walked back up, I was like, I want to check out the beach now. I'm I'm up for the... Have a look at the beach, and so we went out. And by this stage, it was you know, I mean, about six o'clock at night, five five thirty. Still so, warm. Yes, beautiful, oh, beautiful, it's a balmy evening. Yeah, the sun's starting to come down, Man, and it's, you want to
1: move to the Gold Coast.
2: Oh mate, do you know? Have any idea how much time Kath spent on real estate dot com while we <laughs> were up there? Like, just <laughs> doesn't that always
1: happen? Every time yes. Andrew and I go anywhere, we yeah. spend the time there on domain or wherever mm. looking for houses. Like, for I, by I wonder buying.
2: what. What's available here? Ooh, look what we can get. Good bang for you back up there. So, uh, but we went, we kind of like walked down to the beach just like, we'll just put our feet in the water. Just just put our feet in the water. Because the pool was quite cold. And we're like, just see what it's like. Just, it's nice. And then we were like, um, oh, that's actually really, really nice. Like it was, the water in the ocean was warmer than the water in the pool. Oh. So it was like, Temporary. should we, yeah. So like, should we go for a swim? I'm like, yeah, we should go for a swim. We'll just have a
1: little dip. Shark hour.
2: Yeah, I said that's mm. what. I, yeah, I know. And I turned to Kath, and she wasn't going in. It was just me and JoJo. And I said, I turned to Kath, and I gave her gave her my stuff to hold, like my towel and stuff. And I said, listen, if anything happens, just make sure you tell everyone that I died really happy. <laughs> <laughs> like if like, oh. if if it happens, then you got to let everyone know that I'm. I really did. Do I don't water. like you. I don't,
1: really don't like you welcoming this fate. No. Was she
3: taken aback when you suddenly turned to her about to go for a swimming? No, swim no. In? She
2: laughed and went, of course, n- no problem. Okay. She yeah. died with
1: a smile on but her I face. But I did, yeah. Might have been a grimace of terror.
2: <laughs> I did have a moment of, should I say anything? Because saying something is that tempting fate. Oh. oh. Yeah, that
1: would freak me out the whole time I was in the water.
2: And It did. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's all I thought about. And you know what it was? Because when we walked through, like walked across, the, there's a big sign saying, you know, a big warning saying sharks and rays. Are you uh, serious? Is yeah, it really? Yeah, yeah, How would you get
1: in that water? No, I don't,
2: that well, seems no, just, very strange. It's just not... Well, I didn't read the sign properly. I mean, what did you think the What do you mean? Said?
1: What do you think the sharks and rays are friendly? Come and pat
2: us? Yeah, but the sharks... Shark- and rays, this way. <laughs> Come and see the sharks and rays. <laughs> but, but the sharks and rays... Like, they're in, there's sharks and rays any, everywhere in the ocean. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just like... Yeah, but well, if you, oh, of I've never it's been a, to a beach where there was a sign.
3: You go down to St Kilda Beach, there's not a sign saying watch sharks out for the sharks.
2: Rays. Yeah, there, there is, though. So, you know... Hang on, there is a sign. No, there is sharks and rays yeah, in... But why do they need a sign up there? Is there more Oh, of them? I don't know. there's probably, you know, just as a friendly reminder but that <laughs> was they exist else, Was anyone there. else swimming? No. Uh <laughs> yes. So... We, we went in. We just we didn't spend any. Ex- and it's quite There's rough. When I swam well. at Magnetic Island for
1: two weeks, and then someone said, Oh, you're really tempting fate out there with the jellies. And I said, No, it's the off season. And they said, There's no off season at Magnetic Island. Oh, oh wow. wow. You didn't get sick. I didn't get stung. Hey, w- the no chances problem. of me getting stung were very high. Mm. And weren't you
3: worried that, like, if you did, did get taken by the shark, you might be saying, Oh, well, you did you know you you died doing what you loved mm. or whatever but when it was reported don't you think the first thing they say and she ignored the sign that said do not yeah. swim
2: sharks well it didn't cuz the sign didn't say do not so it was just a a warning but that but maybe the they do not may... swim
3: was kind of implied by the fact that there were sharks no
2: there. i don't think so really no that's not the vibe that i was getting from the sign it was just like a I don't know just a sign, be aware. I don't know if signs are something
1: that, that you should get a vibe from. No.
2: <laughs> it's just like no, be aware that there's sharks and rays in this area. So Yeah, but
1: what be aware and then
2: No, there was like no some, and then. It was but just be aware
3: and don't go in. No, not be aware and go and say hello to them.
2: Yeah, no, it's it was fine. Anyway, I went in, but I did constantly think about sharks. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I was thinking about while I was in there. So I just you know, for and it was quite rough as well, so it, it's not like um, you know, you spend too much time. It was just like caught, we just caught. Is um, there a sign saying undertow rips"? <laughs> yeah, probably. Freak wave. to get the vibe? And you just
1: got it. the vibe on me. you here. Yeah.
2: Anyway, <laughs> caught a wave in, uh, and that was and that was it. It was you know, I I live to tell the tale. <laughs> so here I am. But uh, but the whole time I was thinking, you know, if I do like the shark, I just want it to be like the eagle attack. Like, just a little... Oh, did you oh a
3: little tap. Yeah. You Not, could like, s- taking your leg off you or something. You could set
1: this up by going in, like, a shark tank with friendly sh- sharks. Oh, I've
2: done that already. Oh. Mm.
3: Yeah, even if you do that, I don't think you can tell uh, the keepers that you want them to bite you.
1: No. You could You could put your hand gently in its mouth. Yeah, I don't think you should do that.
2: No, it depends what kind of shark yeah, I mean a little one. Yeah.
1: Just to get the vibe. <laughs> mm.
2: Anyway, it was... Um, what, a, what a real... Um,
4: Highlight <laughs> three triple R. Oh. <laughs> 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 We're just defaming few people.
1: <laughs> uh,
3: you are in fact tuned to Triple Up. Where else could you, could you tune to? This show is Breakfast. The Uncollected Plays with Sean McCauley is a new book out through Affirm Press. It is, as the title suggests, by Sean McCauley. He's joining us now. Welcome to Breakfast. Thank you very
4: much. Uh, I should say, yes, it is accurate in terms of saying who's written it, but of course, it's not uncollected, really, is it? Now i just realised that now that it's been published, the work cannot really be defined as uncollected. Uh, it's too late to do anything about it. My <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I could, I could go out with it. I could get the old... Do, do they still make white out? Is that still a thing? <laughs>
2: I think it's maybe a bit of a tape now. You know that we, Oh, but, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Scroll, I like that. It's very little, nice to use. I I a little square, square of yeah. cover. Mm. I can do
4: that. Yes, well, if I do win an award, that would be good. I'll just position it over the un bit of collect yes. uncollected and they'll be fine then
3: <laughs> you've been a writer for as long as you've been a performer what made you decide to collect these uncollected plays now
4: well i was asked it uh, no, wasn't, really, <laughs> wasn't really a thought i had it um i was doing a play i was doing a um the Odd Couple for the MTC, which is like not written by me, written by Neil Simon, a wonderful play. And uh, the um, uh, the, uh, the publisher of uh, Affirm Press uh, came along to see the show and actually happened to ask, oh, you know, you seem to do that. Well, you used to write your own stuff, didn't you? Which is true. Before I got into television, I almost exclusively because maybe because, mainly because no one else wanted me uh, <laughs> in any stage productions, I would write my own stuff. So there are lots of plays sitting there. And I said, oh, I'd be quite happy to publish those. That sounds really interesting. And then and then kind of later, after I'd already signed the contract, I read them and they were awful. Oh. Yeah. So they were just awful. <laughs> I mean, that would be fine to see because, of course, you know, you workshop things and it grows yes. and there's a performative element to it which was more dominant and really the reason to see it, and that's why it was funny. Um, so I've gotten slightly better over the years, uh, unsurprisingly, as we all do, with just th- through dint of experience. Slightly better at writing now. So I threw them all out and wrote some new ones. So they're all new plays that I'm, <laughs> I'm pretending are old ones.
2: Uh-huh. And they're kind of all based on, you know, if, things that have actually happened to you. Let's talk about your first role. Oh, yes. In the nativity play. Yes, oh, yes. Also, yes. my first role, we've got a lot in common. Is that
4: right? Now, I, played the, uh, I played the infant Christ. I played Mary. Ah, uh, right. Mm. Oh, that's very interesting. So, uh, well, I was very young. I was six months old. I imagine you're a bit older when you're playing Mary. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't work. You've got to be able to kneel next yeah. to the manger. Um, yes, I, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'm quite happy to share my experiences with you. I, I can't remember a lot about it because, I, as I said, I was only six months old. And no, I think I was picked because I was... I was premature and I was a bit small oh. and I did fit in. I just happened to fit into it. They used to think he a doll. But yeah, they, I,
2: I had a doll. I had remember a doll. that. Well, yeah. so
4: imagine your performance. Imagine the, the mm. heights your performance would have reached if you were playing against a human like me. Maybe um, I, 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 I see these are sliding doors, really, isn't it? <laughs> sliding doors. Uh, so I, uh, I, yes, I, 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 I've, I've, I've reimagined what it must have been like for the audience to see this uh, radiant uh, child, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, yeah, and that was pretty much downhill from there. And I've never really, uh, I've never really played a role that good. He's uh, a pretty good role Although I did read somewhere else That you've also doubled As Humphrey B. Bear So which would you just say He's a better old did Jesus Or a Bear Did you really? I did Oh yes I did Yes So my career is uh, many, yes. Very I doubled for him You know he, he, I had to kind of Just be here. Well I was, it was a what play do I doubled. Well, like it was stunt a, double It was a <laughs> No well it, In a way I suppose it was Because it was a it was a pantomime It was a kid's oh. pantomime And uh, the, the, the I hope I'm not giving Anything away here But it's, uh, the man who Inhabited Humphrey Actually kids If you're listening
3: <laughs> Spoiler alert yeah, just
4: turn away now uh, switch over to uh, Triple M or something just for about two seconds Um, yeah so so, usually the show would be half an hour on TV and he'd be able to handle that but this was like an hour and a half and it was during the school holidays and there were two shows a day so he needed a couple of scenes where he wasn't on just so he could rehydrate in the dressing room. <laughs> so there was a spare Humphrey costume, a little threadbare. It was from the '60s, and it was kind of prototype Humphrey, and it was a little weird looking. Uh, so the, the the guy inhabiting Humphrey, a fellow called Tom Fairley, by the way, who was about five foot five. Now I was sixteen years old, and six foot two. So Humphrey would leave. Uh, he would leave the stage without having to duck through the doorway, and then he'd turn up on the other side of the stage, slightly taller and looking a bit shabbier and skinnier, and. Uh, uh, I would come on and do that scene and because I wear glasses in real life and I couldn't see otherwise you, you look through Humphrey's mouth in order to see where you're going or, or rather than his eyes it's quite strange so I would all, I have the mouth hanging open so I could <laughs> see but the light the spotlight would catch my, the lens in my glasses <laughs> oh my and, and sort of uh, cast a, it kind of looked like I don't know if you've seen the Godzilla films it kind of looked like a <laughs> shaft of light was coming out of Humphrey's mouth so yes it was a very he was a slightly different character every, every uh, two scenes or so you, you in the book that
3: you actually played Humphrey as Curly from the Three Stooges, I which did. is quite
4: quite an image. I, I do remember. I do remember at one point, kind of it as an ad lib, which I, I can't remember how I got to that point. Uh, pivoting on my shoulder and and walking around in a circle while lying on the ground. I don't know if you're aware of Curly's work. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, Humphrey the fun-loving bear just became, you know, slightly psychotic uh, every now and again. Oh, I
1: didn't know that. How did you go from playing baby Jesus and Humphrey to being a lawyer then? What, what was that
4: leap? Oh, these are natural steps. <laughs> uh, well, I'd always been interested uh, in in being what I thought was amusing, I suppose, and having some sort of licence, or you know, and you get this validation of of laughs. But I never really thought that would be a job. I just thought that was like a hobby. So I'd always done that no matter what I did, whether it was at school or at university, and then eventually, oh, here's my real job being a lawyer. i do this other stuff on the side. And it wasn't really until I was about 30 that I thought, oh, I wonder if I could actually, you know, make some coin out of this. And so I quit being a lawyer and thought... um, I'll just chance my arm for a year. I took a sabbatical really and, and just uh, uh, started writing for a, show called, for a show called Jim Owen on Channel 7 wow. uh, and Full Frontal. Uh, so that was it and I wrote for the big gig I know you guys are be too young to remember the oh, big no, gig
2: I remember the big gig remember
4: the big gig mm. that was a show on the ABC and uh, so it was really fun to finally get to go to the ABC <laughs> and work there having, having written <coughs> having sent scripts by fax from Adelaide to Melbourne for uh, Glenn Nicholas to perform or uh, uh, Gia Kitson at one point did a couple oh. of my jokes it was quite, oh, it was quite nice right. and then I came over and met everybody and I remember talking to Patrick Cook, uh, who was the script editor and the head writer on the, the Big Gig, and I, and I said, "Oh, you know, oh, nice to meet you." And uh, and what do you what do you, th- you know what uh, you know what do you think that if I gave up my work and, and, and did it for any And he said, oh, no, your stuff's too derivative. <laughs> no. stuff's too derivative. And uh, no, so the recommendation was don't give up your day job, which he was right. He was quite right. It did <laughs> take me a couple more years to actually uh, chance my arm. But uh, courtrooms are very theatrical places.
3: Are there lots of lawyers? You think you have kind of theatrical? Oh yeah, ambitions? I
4: I think that's right. I think I think it does attract some people who are. Uh, who want that I mean let's face it you're wearing a wig and a robe you're wearing a costume from <laughs> mm. the 17th century and, and uh, you know you can really go to town if you want to you can wear the pantaloons if you want to no one's going to notice uh, so yes it can, it does attract the flamboyance I feel
3: like I would notice if I turned up in court and my lawyer was
2: wearing <laughs> pantaloons <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, they used to, used to have, a like, the shape of the robe is interesting because there's a sort of vestigial sack on the back there. And originally they did have a little bag, a little uh, grouch bag, where you would, he would talk up to the point where you'd paid him and then he would stop. And you'd, you'd sort of lean over and put coins in the little bag on his, on his back. That's where the robe comes from. Uh, a couple more coins, and he'd hear them. I go, well, that's five. Okay, I go, talk for another 10 minutes. And really, they haven't changed, have they? Really, it's much the same. Money and trust instead. But I reckon they should go back to the, to the old sack on the back. That's my suggestion to the Lawson Society. Just put a
2: tap and go on there <laughs> instead. Yes, <laughs> yes,
4: that's right. You hear that reassuring ping.
2: Yeah. Oh. Uh, the plays here
4: are very funny, but they
3: also show a deep affection for the theatre. I mean, you're referring to ancient Rome, to Shakespeare, to contemporary drama. Where did that come from? Were you always from a like theatrical family?
4: Not really. I mean, my sisters, I have three younger sisters, and they are all, they're all ballet dancers, and they were all ballet dancers, and so certainly learnt ballet, and they would do shows at the end of the year. Uh, and I think that's probably how I came to appreciate, well, I'm sitting in the audience looking at everybody, looking on stage at these people, I think well that's the place to be, not actually in the audience and I think part of me wanted attention certainly, I think that's probably true of a lot of performers and not only do they want validation from strangers which is a very sad thing when you think <laughs> about it and I don't think it's because necessarily they didn't get the attention from their parents, it's just that they needed more uh, so there's that element and then in terms of what floated my boat uh in terms of what i liked i guess i like radio to be perfectly honest i used to listen to a lot of radio so there are a lot of perhaps more obscure references or lit- certainly the comedy on radio is more literary than perhaps uh the stuff i might have seen in american films at that time growing up uh so yeah you get a reference here and there and you think, oh that's interesting and you go to the library and you'd look it up now of course it's uh you just get your phone out and tap a few things with your thumb and you've got you know you sound like you're intelligent you know what's going on and Wikipedia too oh god in those days you actually had to look at a book you go to the library look at a book
1: you've been doing mad as hell for a long time and now you have a book do you think that people might start stop asking you to do Milo Kerrigan impersonations now <laughs>
4: Um, well, I, I I I always actually during the show when we do men as Hell we have um, we talk I can't get down and talk to the audience while we're setting up for various scenes and that is often a question. So will you're, I do that? Right. I'm actually it's a request that it's given to me by some members of the audience and I asked
1: this because I was hoping that you would do the impersonation.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind doing it, but I don't mind doing it at all. But uh, in the it. it, it it's a worrying impression to do. I mean, I don't know if the yeah. listeners even remember, but I, I did a character who was a boxer who was a bit punch drunk. But nowadays, <laughs> perhaps even then, it was probably not a bit terribly problematic. It yeah. not, it's not a politically correct thing to do. So, um, all right, well,
3: fine.
4: <laughs> no, Richard. Hello, how's My so, yes, um, you'll probably get some texts. <laughs> complaint now that you did ask. Box is this in- going to air or is it we some, off air? Buy some no.
1: former boxes. That was so good. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> He's a little, you so can actually so- understand him a bit. Okay. Well, it's a, a, if I did the impression properly, it wouldn't be good for radio. I mean, it's more a visual thing, isn't yeah. it? It's a more a visual. Did <laughs> you
1: the- just burst through the door.
4: <laughs> knock over things. Knock <laughs>
1: things over. That would be great. Right, and right, let's see.
3: How do you weigh up, then, your love of comedy for your obvious affection for drama?
4: Are you kind of torn between the two? or Do you see them complementary? I don't see them as being different at all. I think um, I think there are... My favourite performers are those who can do it all. I mean, I've just finished watching, and I hadn't watched it the first time around, the entire American series of The Office. Uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's one of the wonders of streaming is that you can catch up on these things. Watch The West Wing. Never saw that before. <laughs> <laughs> Only about 20 years behind. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the great thing about... Uh, comic actors, I guess, rather than, say, comedians, is that they can play the really absurd, bizarre thing. If you get them right, they're a very, very very select and small breed of actor uh, to be able to play the reality of something at one turn and the extreme absurdity and be hilarious in the other. Now, they're the, they're the lot, people I like working with and the people I work on matters Hell with are those sorts of actors rather than comics, rather than stand-up comics, who, um, you know, not necessarily... Uh, are able to act uh, that well as a character. I'm kind of in the middle ground, I'm not really, a, I can play a certain uh, type of role, I could probably play a mild authority figure who's an idiot, that's about it <laughs> but I can't, I can't play uh, I've got a huge range uh, so I'm kind of in the middle there and that's why I like surrounding myself with 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 talented people. I, I'm not answering your question, what was the question? I can't again? remember now. <sighs> Who knows? No, it doesn't matter. Back uh, to
1: Milo Oh
3: no. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, and if there were a play of your life, who would you want to play
3: your role? Well, uh,
4: just, well just for the money, I think I'd play it. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, the funny thing was, I think Cassius Clay, or oh, Muhammad Ali, um, played himself in, a, in the film version of his own life. Uh, what's the name of that fellow who does the radio Sirius? Uh, he's, uh, he's, sort of he's sort of a DJ, uh, uh, and he's got a sort of underground... Uh, um, anyway I can't remember the name but I can't remember It's a good story that. isn't it It's a yeah. good story Very long curly black hair uh, He's uh, uh, He's uh, uh, We should do a phone out <laughs> <that>. Can someone text him <laughs>
1: long-
4: anyway, I can't remember his name But he played himself in, I've in got weird Al Yankovic In my head Well he looks a, a bit long- like that but, A shock
3: jockey yeah, Sex yeah, oh, guy Yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
4: yeah Yes, I know who you oh mean. Oh my God! I've come oh on, let's as go. As well. Let's do it together. <laughs> come we on, now? we can do it. See, in the old days, in the old <laughs> oh days, uh, we'd have to remember this. Howard Stern, Stern, well done. We Congratulations. got Congratulations! Yeah, and I can't remember the point now. What was I talking? About? <laughs> so oh yeah, Howard he pl- Stern. Is he played you. himself uh, ah. in the film of his life. That's my point. <laughs> right, yeah, so I thought weird. you were
3: suggesting Howard Stern <laughs> <play. you>. Well <laughs> I
0: Well, that would be an interesting
3: casting. All
4: right. Well, now that that's out there. Quite happy for him to do it. No, I, I think uh, I don't know. Maybe George Clooney or uh, <laughs> can we? Uh, Kerry Grant is he still around? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't have any part in the, in the casting. I'd but simply be trying to flatter myself.
3: <laughs> the book is the uncollected plays of Sean McCarthy. It's out through a firm press. We've been talking to Sean McAuliffe. Thanks so much for joining for joining us. Thank <laughs> you.
5: You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RRR in Melbourne, Australia.
3: You're tuned to Breakfasters here on R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Catherine Tate is a comedian, actor and writer. She's bringing her Catherine Tate show to the Palais from tomorrow night until Saturday night. Right now, though, she's joining us in the Breakfaster studio. Welcome to Triple R.
5: Hello, thank you.
3: (laughs) People will know the Catherine Tate show from TV. What does it, the live show, involve? Is it closer to stand-up, or are you still doing sketches?
5: No, it's all sketches. So it's all the familiar characters, uh, a couple of new VT pre-recorded characters, but it's all the. Yeah, it's all the original characters, but all new material. And is it just you on stage? Oh, gosh, no, 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 no. I couldn't do it on my own. No, I'm not into monologues. No. Puts too much pressure on the audience, doesn't it, a monologue? Oh, it makes my heart sink when I go to the theatre and it's like, oh, we've got one person <laughs> three hours um, strapping. Oh. No, I have uh, three other members of cast with me. um, And I've got two new members of cast with me. Nikki Wardley, who's been, uh, you know, who's one of my best friends and has been doing the show with me since I started. Um, And we met. Do you know what? Nikki and I met when we were with the RSC 15 years ago, touring Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah, we we started at the um, Perth Festival with the r s c we'd gone to hong kong um australia um america and um and home, and we met and we met in Australia. Yeah,
3: it's like a homecoming
5: I know and she's still here. Um, matt Horn, who is again one of the regulars that I work with matt Matt got a proper job so couldn't join me. Um so he's not here and so I've 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 trained up two newbies and they're brilliant. Oh great for yeah. them. Yeah no it's yeah. good fun it's brilliant fun. Yeah.
3: Um I've heard that you do some pretty spectacular costume changes in this show. What's the secret to so suddenly transforming from one character to the next? Velcro. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> you have to do you know what I said do you know it, it, it's working with brilliant quick change artists because that's what I always wanted was I wanted to run off stage and before really anyone knew what was happening I was back on stage as a, as, a, as another character although we do stuff because I don't want that. and there's never anything there's never any time on stage where nothing's happening where no one's got anything to look at but I said to people you know is this possible and they said yeah you've just got to keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it and quick change artists and what they do is they underdress you and I said, I remember saying when I came over on the promo tour over in the um, well, our spring, I don't know what mm. you call it, <laughs> <laughs> New Year's Eve or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was April, um, <laughs> and um, and I, I, I did all this promo tour, and they were saying, How do you do it? and I said, will you underdress. And so, what happens is, you uh, so by the end of the show, I look like I've lost about three stone because. Uh, you know, as you come off, they're ripping off a costume and you run back off, and it's the other one. So you're gradually sort of slightly getting smaller, metaphorically, wow. right? Yeah. I go on a show in at home, and one of the researchers says to me genuinely, So, um, so you lose three stone every night. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Well,. Well, no, because <laughs> after four shows, I wouldn't exist, would I? I mean, it's so crazy. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when... <laughs> there was this thing, right? You know, Ricky Gervais, right? Um, Ricky, Ricky was... There, there, there was a, there's a, a, a newspaper at home, um, and they, they do this questionnaire thing that, you know, when you, when you do the interview, everyone asks the same question. Um, and, they, and one of the questions was, you know, if your house was on fire what three items would you take? Uh. And he said, he said, I really remember this. He said, um, my photo album, my cat, and one of the twins. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's a joke, people. It's very funny. It's a joke, right? (laughs) The next interview he goes to, the researcher goes... So how are the twins? (laughs) He hasn't got kids. It was a joke. Don't take everything literally. (laughs) So sorry, in a very long convoluted answer to your question. Yes, Velcro. I underdress, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but there are. I I have to pay tribute to the to the quick change artist backstage because another show's going on backstage. Do you know what I mean? Because it's literally yeah. it's like a dance you have to do. They go arms, legs, stay out of my way. Put your foot in this one, and it's like that. You know what I mean? Because you can't help. You just have to do what they say.
2: Oh my goodness, your characters, um, you know, are so amazing. And I guess uh, I think the the thing that I really like about them is the um. They're quite mundane. It, essentially, they're quite yeah. mundane. They and walk it's, among it, us. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm interested to know how long does it take to create a character? Like I'm assuming that you kind of sit there and watch people a lot and take life in, and then so what's the process? Do you know,
5: I I I'm, I only I realised this quite 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 recently actually is that I have no curiosity about anything other than people. Mm. You know, so I I'm, I've, I couldn't even tell you now. What colour my walls are at home? I don't really care because I don't think I've ever noticed. You know that you like going in my, get my house.
3: That, a researcher's going to ask you that at your next.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to say, you "So you've got it no it walls in your house? <laughs> 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 you've got amnesia." <laughs> um, but I, but people, I, I, I do, and and, and what I do is I, do, I think I do steal from people's personalities. But what also I've realised is we only identify largely. We only identify. Uh, ourselves as, through our physical traits. So as long as you change someone's physical appearance, they very rarely recognise themselves. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, it really is because I've got a character, and um, and it's it, it is based on my cousin. I can say this because she, she she definitely won't be listening to this radio station. <laughs> oh, can be. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I know only because she won't. She will. She wouldn't be able to understand yeah. that it's a subscription. Yeah. So it. hold on. What do you mean? <laughs> Could, and she's like this, right? My character. And I've got a character like this who goes, You won't believe what happened to me today, right? Now, that's definitely my cousin. Yeah. But my cousin hasn't got long, blo- uh, long dark hair, which is the wig I use in, in the thing. My cousin is blonde. When my show came out, my cousin rang me and she went, You won't believe what I've seen on the tele. You've got your own show. And I'm like, Yeah, and you're in it. <laughs> But she can't see herself. She can't see herself. Wow. It's really strange.
3: It's like (laughs) Superman disguising himself as Clark. (laughs)
5: Yes, (laughs) yes. It's it's so, it's really strange.
1: What do you think makes a character resonate though for years and years and years? Like what makes a great character? We interviewed a comic yesterday and he had this character he did 20 years ago called Milo Kerrigan. And it's still the one thing that people ask him to do over and over
5: again. I honestly I don't know it's like alchemy fortune timing and you know a whole dollop of gratitude on my behalf I can can tell you but I can tell you it's like it's like writing a catchphrase you can't write a catchphrase. Mm the audience make the catchphrase because they're the ones who decide to repeat it. Yeah, You know what I mean? And if I think you, dis- it would be too arch to sit down and write something that you hoped had the longevity, it just sort of happens and it's... I, I, I don't know. I'm, mm. I, I'm happily ignorant of that yeah. fact.
2: Do, do you remember the, the
5: time that you realised that Am I Bothered? When that became a catchphrase? Well, funnily enough, that wasn't going to be any sort of catchphrase or riff or repetition at all and the mm. first time I ever did it because I always um for TV I, I said look my background is in live work and I want to try it out in front of a studio audience before we go in front of a televised studio audience mm-hmm. and I did the show I did my first sort of body of uh, kind of like new characters with this am I bothered character which was just called Lauren teenage mm. girl I'm very <laughs> unimaginative with you know <laughs> names and um and we did it in a room above a pub. no one knew who I was and this, and all in the script, all it said was, "I say once am I bothered?" and on the night, this room of about sixty people sort of I could feel there was a little bit of an energy, and they sort of yeah. picked up and on the actually in the moment, I thought oh, I'll just do a little riff on that might as well, and I went, "Am I bothered though?" But I am I bothered? But look at my face. And I was doing all this in the moment. I'm like, is my face bothered? Look at my face. Is above it bothered? Look, face bothered. Look, so I look bothered? I ain't bothered. And they were really laughing. Yeah. And the dressing room, because the venue was so small, the dressing room was right outside where they were where, where they were filing out after. And people were saying, "I'm above it. I'm above it." And it was that Jeez. how I then went. Oh, I think we've got to make this a sort of a, a regular this thing. Is the theme. This is the thing. This is the thing. This is the new thing. How you, often am I bothered? Is the new black? Do yeah. people
1: yell it out at you on the street, or is it kind of beyond that now?
5: Well, some people, Yeah, I mean, okay. people, people do.
1: And do you want to kill them? Yeah. They
5: do? No, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's honestly, I just think how. How fortunate! Do you know mm. what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, it's it's as my mum says, it's the day they stop shouting, "Am I bothered? You've got to worry." <laughs> <laughs> She'll have to move on to something else then.
3: <laughs> uh, talking about beloved characters, you played in Doctor Who as um, two seasons in what is? As...
5: I did as Donna Noble. <laughs> Do you know? when I was I, with jet lag the other night. I turned on, and it was like three o'clock in the morning. And I t- it's like, you know, your bargain basement, then you're on, they're rerunning you at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know? <laughs> It's like, here goes to the garage, oh, your DVD that was once number one, 20 pence now in the bin. Um, and I turned it on and I was like, something familiar about that. Oh, it's my face. That's what it is. <laughs> and it was an episode of Doctor Who, yeah. Wow. Was that
3: intimidating, stepping into, I mean, that is a show that's got fans, how shall we put it? i are very invested in that show.
5: Absolutely. Well, I think happily, I had no idea. I had no idea because I didn't watch Doctor Who, and I always was full disclosure about that. It's not my my thing, sci-fi. You know, I like I like the jokesies, don't <laughs> I? <laughs> I don't like, I don't know about space, <laughs> um, but for me, it was it was a job. Uh, Russell T. Davis was writing. David Tennant was in it. The production team was fantastic. It had, huge, and I said yes, absolutely. But I, I, but I didn't actually uh, go and watch old episodes. I didn't watch it while I was in it. I don't watch it now. You know, um, It was just this wonderful job I did. I had no idea how far-reaching and how passionate the fan base was. Absolutely no idea.
3: Huh. And have you been following all of the controversy about the Jodie Whittaker doctor? Do you have no. a take on that? I a don't female know. well
5: I don't follow what's that on social media or something <laughs> <laughs> on social media I'm not on social media no uh no I don't I don't I look I I I can what are they saying some people like her, some people don't or something a like female that. doctor Oh for goodness sake yeah I mean come on yeah I mean, I mean you know I I I'm sure it will be um I'm sure it will just be that thing that happens when things change. Yeah. people will adjust. It will be wonderful. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant performer. She's a brilliant actor. She'll be a, the fantastic addition to, to to Doctor Who. I'm sure. When you were growing up, was it? What did you like more? Was it just
2: perf- performing, or was it trying to get a laugh, or was it? Oh, always the
5: attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I actually wasn't. Actually, no. It was... So what did you... Like, essentially, what did you want to... Did you want to be a comedian
2: or did you want to be an actor? I
5: I think I... I don't think I realised I knew what a comedian was. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I think, know exactly
2: what you mean. Do you know what? Yeah. I, I
5: think it, I didn't... I don't think I knew that was a separate thing. Yeah. And so that's why in my head I've never really differentiated between, you know acting doing. and making people laugh cuz it's the same kind of thing although yeah. obviously doing stand up is very different and it's a different skill but it's like when people say like they'll see you do uh l- like they'll see someone do comedy mm. and then they'll say are you going to do any real ac- are you going to do any real acting and you think mm. what do you it's such a it's such a strange thing that comedy is seen as a slightly more uh l- lowbrow kind of thing and it's mm. you know and i and I, I think there's more skill in doing comedy than well. It's it's. Um, I just find I just found myself drawn more to the people who could make me laugh. Mm. Uh, when I was growing up, I just wanted to be like the people that made me laugh because I think it's you have an instant connection because if you make pe- someone laugh, it's a very personal thing that you could get that you n- wouldn't necessarily get watching a drama because you can admire the drama and you can but you're not always. You're not always going to cry at the drama. No. Whereas you are always going to have a, you know, an involuntary physical reaction with comedy yeah. where I'm making you laugh. And I love that. And mm. I love the people that make me laugh.
1: Who made you laugh as a kid then? Who did you kind of grow up watching?
5: Uh, French and Saunders. Mm. Um, there, there was a show called Girls on Top um, that we had with Tracy Ullman. Yeah. There was a brilliant show with Tracy Ullman called Three of a Kind. Um, the young ones, you know, um, and it was my, mind-blowing privilege in perth ben elton came to see me in perth oh, oh right. yeah oh my gosh ben elton came to see me in perth did you did you get to meet him yes yes yeah we yes. met him as well he's, oh isn't know. he lovely yeah he's yeah, really super and brilliant nice. and and yeah. he's someone who, because he was on our version of um i think it was called friday night live or saturday night live i can't remember oh. but they cancelled it yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But he was, in the heyday of it, yeah. uh, in the 80s, Ben Elton, and he'd come out and he'd do this, and I remember watching he'd do these routines about Mrs Thatcher and he'd call her Mrs Thatch. And we'd <laughs> just think, that was hilarious! <laughs> he'd call her Mrs Thatch! Uh, and he'd wear a sparkly jumper and it was live and he'd be smoke And it was just exciting to watch. Yeah. And then I get to see him. Do it's you- so cool you can still fan out. <laughs> it's what? It's just cool that you can still fan oh, out. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, gosh, if you were ever, you know, don't lose that... Yeah. No, don't I'm, ever. I'm I would never now, want right to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I would never want to be so cool. It's the only thing that you you think when people say, "Oh, do you want to meet this person? You want to meet that person?" You think, "Yeah, I do," but God, what if they're awful? What if they're not yeah. nice? And that then you're devastated, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Um. But it's so lovely, and 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 my first job, uh, pretty much my first job on TV. I was with Dawn French. Oh, my oh, God. And I, but I burst into tears when I got the job because it was so massive for me. It was so yeah. massive. And she was and remains the most wonderful support and friend and light in my life. And she was just... You know what she she is and what you have to be as a performer, I think. and Well, in life, really. You have to look out for the people that are coming up behind you. Mm-hmm. Keep the ladder down. And give them a hand up. You, you can't be pulling it up and going, "Oh, l- let's close the door now." Yeah. And um, and she she did that. She did that for me. Oh, it's she so did cool. that. So really good to hear. It's yeah. Nice.
3: Oh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Catherine Tate show is going to be at the Palais from tomorrow night, running until Saturday night. We've been very lucky to be joined by Catherine Tate.
0: Thanks so much for coming. Thank
5: you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're in Triple R.
0: You're listening to the best bits of
5: the Breakfasters from Three Triple R.